football season is finally back. The official season kicks off Thursday night with the Chiefs versus the Lions. But if you bleed blue, you know that your Giants season officially kicks off Sunday night against the Dallas Cowboys. Them Cowboys and Giants have opened the season against each other 11 times with Dallas holding a 10-1 record. And that includes four straight wins. What's up, everybody? I'm Brandon London, and this is your Week 1 Blue Rush Preview, your Giants pregame show and podcast for the New York Post and SNY. And, of course, it wouldn't be Blue Rush without me introducing the OGs. He's been giving folks the inside scoop and news on the Giants since way before the Twitter app. He's the Giants beat writer for the New York Post, Paul Schwartz, and he's kicked the Giants to two Super Bowls and can text Eli Manning and Michael Strahan whenever he wants. Might even show up on the Manning cast. He's that close with the man. He's two-time Super Bowl champ, Lawrence Tynes. Fellas, before we kick things off, I got to break down what we have for the fans. We spent all week at practice and locker room and watching tape to break this game down. So on today's show, we're bringing back RJ Ochoa of Blogging the Boys for Know Your Enemy. We went into the locker room after Wednesday's practice to talk with the rookie cornerback duo of Trey Hawkins III and Tay Banks as well as starting left tackle Andrew Thomas. <sighs> All right, I got the business out there. Let's officially Oof. kick this thing off. Great vibes around the locker room, Paul. Great vibes heading into week one. Uh, kind of give us the business. What, what, were you, what were you thinking? What were you feeling from the energy of the locker room uh, since you've been in there heading into this Dallas games? Well, first of all, I'd like to say I can also text Eli Manning and Michael Strahan anytime I want. Whoa. Okay. Now, now, I won't get a response. Lawrence Times <laughs> will actually get a response, and that's the difference between us. He's wearing a nice sport jacket. I'm wearing a, you know, a, an Under Armour shirt. So I can text those guys. I just don't get a response. Let's just clear that up right now. You know, the guys who get the responses, those are the guys who, you know, we need to hear from here. Um, look, the vibe is all business. I mean, this is all business. Uh, the Giants have uh, um, liked kind of laying in the weeds, um, you know, as you mentioned. I mean, you, you mentioned that stat, Brandon. It's just astounding that they are one in 10 starting seasons against the Cowboys. I mean, we'll get into this later in the show. I mean, that's outrageously bad, you know, and, um, you know, it sets a bad tone right away. But the vibe is good. Um, here's Here's the two words, okay? You are both former players. Here's the two words that every coach wants to say, and Brian Dable said that Wednesday. Um, he was asked about uh, the health of the team and, you know, going on to the field on Wednesday. He said, everybody's practicing, mm. right? When you can say everybody's practicing as a head coach, that's pretty good. Now, I'm not, you know, some guys will limit and things like that, but the Giants will be healthy going into Sunday night's game. Times, what's it like going into a week one game, NFC East divisional matchup and the Cowboys player standpoint. We talked to some of the guys, but 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 for you, what is what are these guys feeling right now going into this game Sunday? Yeah. First and foremost, great to see you guys. Um, it's been a while. I haven't been on the airwaves like you, Brandon, or Paul. I've seen you guys doing a great job covering camp, but it's good to be back with my guys. Um, little nerves, anxious, right? New team. New expectations. Uh, that that one in ten record is a little frightening. I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. So that doesn't play really into it, but it does from the fans' perspective because it's the Cowboys. We hate the Cowboys. The fans hate the Cowboys. The players hate the Cowboys. Um, but that's a staggering number. I, I would have never have guessed that. I wouldn't have said it was five hundred, but one in ten is really really bad. That just goes to show you that not only has Dak Prescott owned the Giants, I don't think he's ever lost 
to the Giants. Um, but just historically, the, the Dallas Cowboys franchise has really, you know, owned the Giants. And that's been the case for, for a lot of years. Um, obviously, last year they made the playoffs and have done better. But that's, uh, that's all going to change on Sunday night, boys. Well, before we break this game down, offense, defense, special teams, you guys, because of the expectations being so high and then that stat, do the Giants automatically walk into this game as a must-win? Is the pressure that that high for this team to get that W, Paul? No, no, no. Okay. You know, you know, must no. You just can't look. The first game, you guys know as players, the first game is the most scrutinized. You know, a lot of teams will be one and zero, and a lot of bad teams will be one and zero, right? And a, a bunch of good teams will be zero and one. And you can go crazy about it if you want. Um, how you play now look last year last year it set a tone for the season when Brian Dable went for two Saquon Barkley crashed Mm. into the end zone on the two-point conversion and they beat the Titans in Nashville that set a tone but it was still one win Um, you know if, if, if the field goal was made at the end of that game and the Giants lose instead of winning would it have set a bad tone that would have you know sunk the Giants Probably not. You know, so there's no question that if the Giants win this game, look, I go back. I remember 1995. OK, that's a long time ago. Right. For you guys. My second year covering the Giants. Dan Reeves said this game at Giants Stadium, this game is going to show how much we've closed the gap on the Cowboys. OK, season opener. Right. The same stuff. Thirty five nothing. Right. And that game was no Emmett Smith turned around on a, the last touchdown and kind of waved to the defensive back Ooh. as he ran past them like, bye-bye, mm. bye-bye, see ya. And the gap was not closed at all. The Giants were a bad team that year, and the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. So, you know, we can make too much of it. But, look, if they win, no one's going to make too much of it. It'll be really big if they win. There's no question about it. All right, well, I mean, the pre- all right, let's take the pressure away, expectations. Let's, let's kind of uh, – numb that dumb that down a little bit and let's talk about what these giants have to answer going into this game the 2023 giants have to answer for the 2022 giants first and foremost offensively can this giants offensive line stop this cowboys pass rush and how do they do that times it's going to be a huge challenge i know there's been some upgrades obviously we drafted john michael schmitz but evan neal has to take the biggest leap on this team um you know, I watched him closely this preseason. I'm still skeptical, guys. I, I think he's better, but again, he's just better because it's year two. Um, I'm not super impressed by the feet. Not that I'm an offensive lineman expert, but I can be one, and I play one on TV and on the show. So <laughs> I'm going to say he is going to be the most scrutinized player come Sunday. If, if Evan Neal takes a jump forward, guys, this team – can really be elite in my opinion and it's all going to hinge on i know we shouldn't say it hinges on one player's shoulders but that position is so important you know demarcus lawrence had two or three sacks against him last year in one game demarcus lawrence for god's sakes only had six sacks last year guys he had three of them against evan neal one game early in the season i think evan neal because of his pedigree because of where he went to college the biggest jump is from year one to year two in the nfl I like his demeanor, all right? We've seen him interview. This guy is all business. I think he'll he'll make a jump forward, but he's got to go prove it on the field. And so if he goes, the Giants offense will go. 
Yeah, and I, it, it kind of sucked for him going through protocol, especially when he was getting so much better during training camp. Then he kind of had to take that step back. He's cleared to play. He's good to go. But again, eight sacks in two games for this Cowboys pass rush against the Giants last year. And Daniel Jones wasn't able to step up in the pocket, not only on five-step drops, but also, also on the play action, which they've got a lot of speed receivers uh, coming into this game. Andrew Thomas versus Michael Parsons, Paul. Uh, that's the matchup that you're going to keep your eye on. How do you feel about from what you've seen from Andrew Thomas after signing that extension? Uh, how do you how do you feel that he's he's looking going up against a Michael Parsons? Well, you know, Michael Parsons' name was not all over the broadcast in the two games last year against the Giants. Mm, true. He was not. You know, what do you have? One sack in the two games, I think. I think. Um, look, I wrote the other day, Andrew Thomas, he should walk in to the Giants facility with a briefcase. You know, he should walk in with a briefcase because he is a businessman. I mean, he is, he is, look, he gets emotional. Um, you know, it's a violent sport he plays, but he approached it like a businessman. You know, did you guys see when he signed his massive mega deal, he walked into the building wearing a suit, wearing his nicest suit to sign his contract, you know? He was going to work that day to get paid, and he said players saw him walking through the locker room. was like, what's up with you? And he said, oh, then they realized, you know, the big man's getting paid. That's why he's wearing a suit. And he signed that contract wearing a suit. Um, look, Lawrence mentioned Neil, and, and I think there's a danger in saying, well, and, and I'm not saying Lawrence said that because he didn't. Um, there's a danger in saying Andrew Thomas made this huge step from year one to year two. So Evan Neal can do the same thing. He can do the same thing, but they're not linked at the hip. They're different players. And I agree 100% with Lawrence. You know, if you make a list of the five most important players, and not like Saquon Barkley, because we kind of have a baseline of what he is going to be, or Dexter Lawrence, we know what he's going to be. I agree that Evan Neal could be, he's in the top five and he might be number one. If he's a good right tackle, they are going to have a good offensive line. And if he's a shaky right tackle like he was as a rookie, then they don't have a lot of answers. And now they have to swing the protection over there. And that hurts the guards. That hurts the rookie center. So I agree. Um, he's a, he's, he is all business. He's a good guy. He said it was the worst game of my life last year. Mm. He gave up three sacks to Demarcus Lawrence. Um, I have a feeling they will swing some protection to help him. Mike Kafka kind of alluded to that the other day. But tackles have to be on an island at times. And um, I agree. I mean, that... If that's not the number, I mean, that and Adoree Jackson in the slot against CeeDee Lamb are my two biggest matchups. Um, you know, Neil and, and Demarcus Lawrence is certainly up there. Oh, we're definitely going to talk about that uh, CeeDee Lamb versus Adoree Jackson in that slot. But before we move on, talking about the Giants' run game against the Cowboys' rush defense, that interior line of uh, JMS, John Michael Schmitz, uh, who are the other two starting guards? Have they listed, Paul, before – well, uh, I think Glowinski, and Glowinski right? Yeah, Glowinski. And I think it's going to be Bredesen. I mean, he, he's listed, um, you know, will they do a rotation again at, at uh, that guard spot with uh, Josh Azudu? I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of think that, that they the coaching staff wanted Azudu to win the job and have Bredesen be the swing guard uh, center. And he didn't do it in the summer. So, you know, I think Bredesen, you know, this was a real competition. I think Bredesen kind of fended him off. So I think Bredesen will start. It will be interesting to see if in a series or two, if Azudu comes in. Um, so, you know, you have two experienced guys. I mean, uh, Bredesen is a young veteran. You have two experienced guys who know what they're doing, smart guys flanking the rookie. Um, 
you know, John Michael Schmitz is 24 years old. Okay, he's the same age as Andrew Thomas. (laughs) He spent six years at Minnesota, six. Okay, so um, he's a rookie, but he doesn't look like a rookie, doesn't comport himself like a rookie, and um, certainly not getting paid like Andrew Thomas either. Tons, you think the Giants' offensive line, especially within the in- interior, is stronger than where they were last year in those two games against the Cowboys to get Saquon Barkley going in the run game? You know, it's going to be interesting. Outside of John Michael Schmitz, it's it's almost the same cast of characters. Maybe they're healthier, Bredesen and Azudu. Um, I did like Azudu too. I remember he came in the Jacksonville game. Remember when they started to run the ball really, really well late in that game after there were some injuries. Bredersen's the vet. Um, you know, I think this all depends on the young man, the young man that I was so uh, fortunate to help draft for the Giants, John Michael Schmitz, the name I'll never forget. Um, <laughs> he looks the part, man. I really watched yeah. him in the preseason, and I know it's preseason, and but, man, he just looked mature. He looked anchored. He, he really moved the pocket in the run game. He moved some bodies around. Um very polished for a young guy. Like Paul said, he was in college for 17 se- seasons. So um, we like John Michael Schmitz. I think he's the, the the piece, guys. I think the guards were always pretty solid, but I just thought at center, you know, Feliciano played his tail off. He was just a little bit limited talent-wise. Um, I think this is a huge upgrade. I think the center, most important over those two guards. I think the two guards have always been pretty solid. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully they can open up some holes for 2-6. For and the communication between Schmitz and uh, Daniel Jones is there. I'm leaving the facility yesterday. DJ's walking into the cafeteria. Uh, John's walking out. And they're kind of going back and forth on when they were going to get together and meet again f- to watch more tape, to go over more of the calls. And uh, so you can tell that that relationship is there. It's kind of like that Sean O'Hara, um, Eli Manning type relationship. You have to have a great chemistry with that that center. And I think he's going to step in and do a great job. I mean, Daniel Jones, again, we can talk about this guy, the new weapons that he has. Uh, Paris Campbell's there. Darren Waller, the baller, has been absolutely unguardable the entire preseason. These new weapons versus the Cowboys pass defense that didn't have a Darren Waller to go up against, that didn't have a Paris Campbell, a Jalen Hyatt to go up against. The Giants' pass offense is a lot better going up against a Trayvon Diggs, going up against a Stephon Gilmore. Are you guys walking into this game with confidence knowing that Daniel Jones now has guys to throw to if he has time? I'll start with you, uh, Paul, because you you were out of practice and you got to see the, the chemistry of the pass offense. I am more confident that he has more weapons. Yes. I mean, this is the most talent Daniel Jones has had around him, you know, and that's not saying a lot. I mean, you know, last year was Kenny Galladay and um, it was a a Kadarius, I guess. Right. I mean, um, uh, David Sills started last year in the the opener was Galladay and David Sills. Okay. Um, So, you know, I mean, just look at it. I mean, I, I think. You know, Hodgins is is a is a very dependable guy. Um, you know, he catches everything. He's not the most dynamic receiver, but he catches the ball. Um, you mentioned, you know, Hyatt was showing a picture of Hyatt there. Um, I talked to Hyatt the other day on Tuesday, and he was all pumped up. Man, was yeah. he all pumped up! And I said to him, you know, it's only Tuesday, and he sat back in his chair by by the uh, locker and said, "Yeah, it's only Tuesday." Like you realize, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta chill a little bit here. You know, is he gonna be a huge impact, Hyatt? I'm not sure right away, but you know what? His impact—they line him up outside and they tell him to run really fast. Someone has to run with him. 
you see what they did the first game? You know, he was in for six snaps against the Jets. Two of them go go routes against Sauce. They just said, do it. And Hyatt said, you know, they didn't connect on one. The first one, I thought that he got a step on Sauce. Yeah, he did. Yep. A little on the throat, right? And so, um, you know, he just said, I needed that. You know, I needed to do that and, and just test myself against a great player like that. Um, Paris Campbell, I think, is a uh, sleeper pick to lead the team in receptions. You know, I think he's a good Ooh. player as long as he stays healthy, you know. And 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 Darius Slayton, oh, by the way, has what? Led the team in receptions three out of the last four years with modest numbers. Um, there, there's guys that he, he – he, there's guys that Daniel um, knows will be in the right places. I think it's a good group. Not yeah. a great group. You know, they don't have a number one receiver, I don't think. Um, they want the number one receiver to be wild. Yeah, his, his, name is, his name is Darren Waller. Oh, absolutely. That's their number one receiver. Hey, and when has the Giants had a tight end that dynamic? You know, Paul, you've seen him throughout practice, throughout these preseason games. He's been lights out. At times, I mean, if you're Daniel Jones, yes, you don't have a proven number one except for the tight end position, but how do you spread this ball around? There's so many guys that can yeah. play. Like, what, I mean, is he, like, how does Daniel distribute this ball around? Well, if you kind of think about where Mike Kafka came from, right, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Who do they have? Travis Kelsey. The Giants have their mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey. Um, they will find ways to move the football around. You know, the, the, if you think about the Chiefs too, guys, they, they've never really had that traditional number one receiver. Who is their number one? It's Kelsey. That's what Kafka and Dable have built here in New York is Darren Waller is the number one receiver with really good skill guys around, you know, mm-hmm. the the uh, offense. When you talk about Campbell and Hyatt and Speed and Slayton and uh, so much improved from last year, guys. I was just looking. I mean, they lined up Galladay, Tony, Shepard as their starting receivers, I believe, in uh, Tennessee. Think about that. Galladay, Tony, who's not even here. Galladay's not even in the league. Shepard obviously got hurt. Still still a veteran player. Not great, but um, that's, that's a massive turnover in personnel. Um, and then you add in, you know, don't forget Bellinger's a really good ascending player, yeah, too. So yeah. they've, got, they've got two tight ends. Um, and of course, I'm really interested to see what 26 does this year. He's going to be motivated, uh, obviously, for a lot of different reasons, but even healthier going into an offseason without an injury. And I'm sure he had some nicks and bruises. But uh, I liked uh, I liked Saquon's messaging the other day in the locker room. Yeah, and I'd like I think to he's going to have a massive season. Yeah, and I would like to see him get more involved in the pass game as well, splitting him out, trying to see what matchups you can have. When you have a Darren Waller that's going to command that type of attention, those safeties, or if you're going to cover him with a backer, it's over. You cover him with a safety, you're kind of declaring your coverage. And, and Paul, we saw a lot of the Giants lining Waller up in the slot, line, lining him up on the outside, putting the running back as number one, and then having Waller in the slot. That's going to have a defense declare their coverage, and then Daniel Jones is going to be able to identify that and get the ball where it's needed but you say Paris Campbell could be a sleeper pick to win this uh to 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 lead this team in catches I agree with you I think Darren Waller would probably lead in that way because Daniel Jones throws to him at all times but but they've had so many weapons so much speed on the outside now and I'm glad you compared them to the Chiefs times because that's exactly what Mike Kafka has and it's going to be interesting to watch the Giants offense the pass game who was last in the league when it came to explosive plays over 20 yards, they could get over three 
in this game alone. So that's an upgrade, and it's, it's a different week one. It's yeah. a different vibe going into the season. All right, let's Riverside it. Let's talk about the defense. The biggest question that I have, and a lot of fans have kind of tweeted or X'd me back and forth, is these young Giants cornerbacks versus the Cowboys receivers. Trey Hawkins the third, and Tay Banks. First-round pick, sixth-round pick. You got a Dory Jackson in the slot, but then the Cowboys have Brandon Cooks, who's had four or five years in a row with 1,000 yards. C.D. Lamb is going to be one of the all-time great Cowboys receivers when he retires. How are you feeling about that matchup going into this game, Tynes? Well, I'm obviously a little nervous with two rookies playing. But, again, if Wink Martindale thinks they can play football, yeah. then I have a little bit more um, – what's the word I'm looking for? I have a little bit more confidence or confidence. There you go. My, what a tough word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's early show one guys. I'm still, still, still trying to figure this thing out uh, new season, right? We're going to make mistakes. Um, I, I like these two guys. They're big bodied. They're strong. They're physical. They can run, but you know, you know, Winky is going to put them in man coverage. Um, we're going to blitz. We're going to do what we do. They're going to have to make some open field tackles, which I think they're both very good at. So um, I like it. Get them out there in the fire early. Show that you have confidence in them as an organization and coaching staff and let those kids go play. I mean, the most surprising one, obviously, is, is Trey Hawkins, right? No yeah. one in the world thought six-round picks going to come in and play, but I think it's it's the right move. You may possibly have corners for the next, you know, six, ten years, and, and they're young. So I'm excited to watch those two play. Paul, how do you feel about the rookies' confidence going into Sunday? Well, um, I think their confidence is fine. Um, look, Deontay Banks is the number one pick, and you know he was earmarked to start from day one. Um, I asked um, uh, Jerome Henderson, the cornerbacks coach, and let's not discount him, guys. He is yeah. a great coach. Yeah. He's a great coach. Wink loves him. Um, you know, former player. He is a terrific coach, one of the best on the staff, and it's a good staff. Um, I asked him uh, a couple of weeks ago about Trey Hawkins. You know, I said, did you know he was this good? And he looked at me and laughed and he said, if we knew he was this good, we wouldn't have waited till the sixth round to take him. Right. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's the old yeah. Tom Brady thing. Oh, did Belichick know he was so good? No, he wouldn't have waited till the, <clears throat> till the, till the sixth round to take a Hall of Famer. Um, I think it's not a leap of faith, but look, he is a six round pick from Old Dominion. Um, you know, Lawrence Tynes, uh, Lawrence, you mentioned um, their size. I wish you were in the locker room to see them. I mean, yeah. um, Banks is a big guy. I mean, he looks like a, he's got long arms and he's muscular. He's tall. Um, um, Hawkins is, is, what, 6'3", a little leaner. Yeah. So this is what Wink wants, right? He wants long, spider-like cornerbacks who can get up on you, who can get their hands onto you, press you with the line of scrimmage. Um it sounds great. You know, it sounds great, you know, starting two rookies, starting two rookies. But there are pitfalls with that. I am sure they will have some issues on Sunday night. They have to because yeah. all rookies do. You know what I mean? All rookies do. I mean, you mentioned Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, how about this for a stat? He's looking to become the first player in NFL history with 1,000 receiving yards for five different teams. Okay, he's had him for thousand yards with four different teams. He, he has it with the Cowboys. That'll be a record fifth different team. I mean, him going against against Trey Hawkins is, I mean, he he will take him to school. I'm sure at some points. It's a matter of can they limit the really big damage? You know, it's. I mean, the guy played at Old Dominion. You know, let's face it, he did not play at this big time level. So, yeah. um, it's going to be a learning curve. There's no question about it, which is why 
you know, Trey Hawkins uh, before his this game has to go to Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari and say, if you can buy me a second or two, you know, if you can get there a second or two earlier, that's going to help me a lot. Well, I'm glad you talked about that. We can segue into that and make sure you guys uh, watch and stay for the interviews with both of those young corners. I asked uh, Trey Hawkins III what it was like having a healthy Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau coming off the edge. And he basically was basically said, like, it, you don't have to stay in coverage that long when it comes to, to having those guys, that pressure. These are two guys that didn't play. When we're talking about OZ, uh, Oziz and uh, Kayvon, two guys that played only a couple games together. Aziz had success when he did play, but he wasn't healthy. Kayvon Thibodeau had some success, but a lot of people thought that he had a roller coaster uh, when it came to his season. Do you feel as though that now, with these two guys healthy, the Giants pass rush can get after Dak Prescott and make him make mistakes. Uh, Tynes. Yeah, I mean, on paper it looks good, but again, until mm. Aziz Bajolari stays healthy, guys, I'm just not willing to put all my eggs in the basket and say he's the guy. Um, it, there's a reason that, you know, the staff went out and, and Joe Shane and them went and got Boogie from the Bills. Obviously, they need a third guy, fourth guy, whatever. I... Aziz needs to show me something. There, there's talent. You know, they, look what just happened with O'Shane, right? O'Shane showed talent and then didn't really do do much after. Now he's on the practice squad. Um, Aziz is a much more talented player. Um, and Kayvon, let's be real, guys. It's year two. Uh, can't wait to hear what Paul and them ask him on Sunday night. If he doesn't have a sack, uh, that could get interesting. But um, he needs to show up and show why he was drafted so high and get after the quarterback. Again, year two for him. I like what Kayvon is is made of. I like I like what he brings to the table. But those two guys have to have, you know, 10-plus sack seasons if the Giants want to get to where they're going. They have to, right? It was 8-0 to zero sacks against uh, versus sacks. The, the Giants had zero sacks against the Cowboys in two games last year. So they, they definitely have to fix that part of the game uh, and, and see what happens. But if they can get some sacks, they have a chance. Paul. Yeah, you know, look, Lawrence, you wouldn't be wearing two rings that you helped kick the Giants to if not for edge rushers, right? That's all there is to right. it, you know. You know you know what edge rushers look like and what they do to a team. Um, I agree with you. This is very much wait and see with these guys. Um, um, I asked Wink Martindale on Wednesday, is it fair to – because Wink loves to compare guys, you know. Uh, uh, Derek Henry is Jim Brown. You know, um, uh, you know, he loves to, you know, and, and, and he, he, he talks up his players quite well. I said, is it fair to compare Kayvon Thibodeau and Micah Parsons? Right. I mean, Thibodeau was a higher draft pick than Micah Parsons. Parsons is one year ahead. And he kind of paused for a while and said, no, it's not really fair. And then he said, look, I love Kayvon. You know, you can have 10 sacks or, you know, you can have 700 snaps and I might like 650 of them that Kayvon gives me. So he loves the totality of what Kayvon brings to the defense. But right, he is in a position where, you know, sacks means money, sacks means wins. Um, Kayvon said he watched the the two games against Dallas every snap like a thousand times this week. You know, in the second game against Dallas, Kayvon had five quarterback hits on Dak and nine pressures. He mm. said it was his highest graded game of the season other than the next week when he had the strap, you know, the sack and, and touchdown against the commanders. So it was a good game for Kayvon. And he said, 
now I have to cash in with Sachs. Um, I asked him about he, and him and Aziz, and he said, he said, this is a great line, such a good line that I actually told Kayvon, I'm ticked that you said that because I would rather have written it and said it was my line instead of you saying it. Now I'm just quoting you. He said he told Aziz, um, you know, he, they're asked, are you guys going to meet at the quarterback? That old thing, right? You guys are going to meet at the quarterback? And he said, he said, I, I told Aziz I'll carpool if I have to. You know, so he'll 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 let you know he'll 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 play caddy to Aziz as long as Aziz gets a sack. It's a really good line. Um, Kayvon knows. Kayvon knows that the next thing is to cash in on these sacks, and he'll have more than four sacks this year. There's no question about that. Well, I think that's what everyone from former players to current players to Giants fans, that's what everyone's keeping their eye on. If Aziz and, and Kayvon can kind of take that that next step. And we got all types of matchups that we're going to break down here on the Blue Rush Preview Show. But before we do, I got a chance to go into the locker room after Wednesday's practice and talk with the rookie cornerback duo of Trey Hawkins III and Tate Banks. I'm here with rookie corner Trey Hawkins III, and I don't even know if I can call you a rookie, man. All the reports out of camps, you playing out, playing like a vet, preseason done, tra- training camp done. How do you feel going into your first NFL game? Um, I feel great. Um, I'm excited about it. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's just um, it's the next step, and it's the next opportunity in front of me. Sounds like one of those politically correct answers, man. But my first NFL game, the jit- I was jittery, had a lot of excitement. Like, come on, man, this is something you've been you've been wanting to do and and, and, and working for for a long time. So, what do you think is going to be that first I've arrived moment when that ball kicks off? Um, that I, I arrived moment. Yeah. I can't tell you. I don't know they game plan towards us. Well, I know our game plan towards them, and I'm just going to continue to stay in my game and not get out of my game. Whatever the plays come to me is the plays I'm on. That, that's going to come to me. So I'm not trying to get out of my game and try to tell you that I'm going to go make a, this play, that play. Whatever plays come to me is the play I'm looking to make. Wink Martindale said that there can be some hiccups when it comes to having young DBs out there. How do you think you're going to handle the adversity? Like, what do you tell yourself uh, in the midst of the game? Um... Same thing I tell myself out here. I try to treat practice like the game. So it's just the uh, next play mentality. At the end of the day, it's a competition. They're good receivers. They're good players on the field, too. They're going to win a couple reps. But um, just try to keep the next play mentality and just continue to keep that mentality. You're talking about their receivers, Brendan Cooks, C.D. Lamb, guys who've had success in the NFL. Which receivers on your team now can you kind of compare them to in terms of getting yourself ready against their skill sets? I can't compare none of our receivers to theirs. I feel like every receiver in the NFL has a different um, skill set. Everybody has different strengths and weaknesses, but they have a lot of good receivers over there. We have a lot of good receivers over here, so I get great work over here too, as well. Uh, talking about that work, we saw you and Tay Banks kind of off to the side with uh, Coach Jerome Henderson getting yeah. some technique work in. Like, can kind of tell us what you guys were working on and, and like how are you polishing yourselves getting ready for Sunday? We were just working on. I think it was just press technique. Um, that was kind of, y'all. Y'all kind of seen it um, today, but we kind of been doing that like throughout this whole process. We hit bullets to the side, and we just gonna see to try to fine tune our technique. Call it fine tuning, and yeah, it was just press technique um, off a little bit of off man, just different things. Last but not least, you weren't here last year, but Aziz Ojulari and Kayvon Thibodeau didn't play much together uh, due to injuries. What's it like? being in the defensive backfield and knowing you got both five and Aziz rushing the passer. Man, it's great. Um, they great players. Um, 
I know a quarterback can't sit there for too long because they're too, they're on their edge. So it's it's great it's a great feeling having them both on the on the side. All right, Trey Hawkins the third man. Good luck on Sunday. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, I'm here with Tay Banks. Rookie preseason over. Training camp over. It's now time to line up and, and, and when it counts for real. What's your mindset going throughout the week and how do you think you're going to feel once the, the national anthem gets sung? Um, I'm really just excited. Like, I feel like the butterfly is going to be there just because like, it's a dream come true. Like, just coming out that tunnel is going to be crazy. But by the time I, we get to the national anthem, I should be good. I should be good by then. Everyone talks about, oh, you're going to be nervous that first game. I mean, you, you Big Ten football. Sure. You've played in front of a lot of people. Sure. So is that is that overhype? Yeah, that's kind of overhype because, like, to be honest, when you get in there, when you get in there with your team, you really just locked in. You don't really – you you see the fans there, but you don't really feel them. You feel what I'm saying? You don't really – you don't feel too much because you locked in on what you got to do. Last year at this time, you were getting ready for the first game or second game of your senior season at, yeah. at, at Maryland. Now, your first game as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Kind of what's the difference in preparation? Um, it's just more to prepare for. Like, it's just a lot more detail. That's all. That's really my check. Because you got to prepare for the same for real, for real. What are some of the details that you've learned as an NFL corner? Um, such as, like, formations or back this way, back that way, or this cut split, this receiver. Splits, it's a lot of different stuff. All right, the, the, the receivers that you're going to face, Brandon Cooks, C.D. Lamb, have both had a lot of success yeah. in this league. So kind of talk about their skill set and what you guys are have to, going to have to do as a defensive secondary to kind of neutralize and shut them down. Well, they're really explosive real fast. I really just feel like once we, if we do what we do, do what we good at, we should be, we're going to be straight. It's going to be a good day. What's the Dory Jackson been like during this whole process? He really has been like a teacher and kind of like a big brother to you. Like, he just wants you to be great out there. He want to tell you, like, just be you. Has he converted you to being a USC fan yet? No, no, sir. How many tickets have you had to get for this game? Um, I believe 15, maybe. 15? Ooh, wait. That's not hit the pockets right <laughs> now. That's what I was saying. This is the only one I'm going to get, though. This is the only one we're going. How many people didn't make the cut? You hit, hit you up, you kind of left them on red. Um... But this is this first game, like I didn't tell everybody, like if you want to come, I got you. So, but this is the only time I'm doing it, just because this is my first NFL game. That's all that is, though. There's still time to hit them up for them <laughs> tickets. <laughs> but appreciate you. Good appreciate luck on Sunday, man. Appreciate y'all. You know, defensive coordinator Wink Martindale said that there will be hiccups when it comes to this rookie duo, but I'll tell you this. These two dudes have the confidence of a fifth-year vet. And another question mark that we spoke about on Blue Rush heading into this game is the Giants' offensive line against the Cowboys' front seven. Here's starting left tackle Andrew Thomas on the state of the O-line. Finally get to play one that counts. What's uh, your mindset and uh, I guess the team's mindset leading into Sunday? Yeah, we're excited to finally get to hit somebody else um, in a game that counts. It's not preseason, it's not camp. So we've been working hard. We're excited to go out there for the first time. Uh, let's talk about the offensive line, man. Like, how much are you guys gelling? How comfortable do you guys feel going into this first game? I think we feel great. Um, second year in the system, we're not learning a new playbook. That means a lot. Um, obviously, we have a new center, John Michael. He's doing a great job for us as a rookie. We're all just trying to gel together because that's what means the most as an offensive line. Have you looked back uh, at the last two games from last year as a unit and what kind of things are you guys kind of talked about where you can kind of correct and uh, where have you gotten better at? Yeah, uh, we, we do a lot of film study, not just the games that we play, but other games that they had last season. And for us, the biggest thing in the run game is just picking up movement, 
Um, that's the biggest thing, that, and that starts with technique, with your feet, your eyes. And then the pass game, we got to be able to protect DJ. They run a lot of games. I think last year they had a stat. I think they had they had seven linemen that had four or more sacks. So for for us, it's just protecting DJ, allowing him to throw to our playmakers. Their leading pass rusher, Micah Parsons. Uh, I mean, how do you guys neutralize him? No, he's a, he's a great player. Um, the biggest thing is making sure you're doing your technique. Don't give him anything. Obviously, he'll make plays just you know from his athleticism. Um, but for me personally, just doing my technique, trusting who I am as a player and, um, and going out there and doing my job. Last year, you guys didn't have the weapons on the perimeter like you do now. Like, how good does that feel as an offensive lineman, knowing that when you block holding guys up, that the ball is going to get spread around and different receivers are going to make plays and uh, make some explosive plays for y'all? Yeah, it's great. Um, I love to see, you know, those one-play drives. You throw the ball up, we score. Um, now it's exciting for us. We're, we're trusting the plan, trusting the process, and hopefully, you know, we, we'll be in an explosive offense. What's Daniel Jones been like this week in terms of his focus? Uh, the same, DJ. Always focused, the, fir the first one in, last one out. Um, we know he's going to make plays for us. He's going to lead us in the right direction. It's kind of the same offensive line, but new mindset, new year, new team. And although this year's Giants squad is a lot more talented than last year's squad, they've still got to put on tape or put that on tape on how much they've gotten better and how much they've been able to gel. So earlier this week, we talked with RJ Ochoa of Blogging the Boys about how Dallas is going to try and match the same success and energy that they had against the Giants last season. Dun, 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 dun. Football's back, baby, and it's Giants-Cowboys at MetLife Stadium to kick off their season. So let's break down this divisional matchup from the Dallas side of things, of course, with manager and editor-in-chief of Blogging the Boys, and he's also the host of the Ocho and the SB Nation NFL show. He is RJ Ochoa, and he is back for another edition, well, this first-year edition of uh, Know Your Enemy. RJ, man, thanks for coming back on, man. How are things going down there in uh, hot Dallas? Uh, it's great to see you, Brandon. It's definitely very hot. People are very anxious for the fall weather to start to kick in. Uh, high school football has been going for a couple of weeks now. Uh, you mentioned Dallas, the Fort Worth area, saw Coach Prime's debut with Colorado last week. So it's nice to get the Cowboys in action and have everybody rocking and rolling. So you guys already got some of your football fix with, I mean, I mean, down in Dallas, you guys in Texas, you guys started everything, absolutely everything early school. They've been going to school since April, but uh, let's get let's get right up into to this man like this matchup it seems like the NFL schedulers they have some sort of like thing some sort of fetish with scheduling the Dallas with Dallas and uh, New York the Giants on opening night so the Cowboys pass rush obviously is something that Giants fans are kind of fearing heading into this game let's break down this matchup Cowboys pass rush versus the Giants offensive line. We know what we saw in last year's two games. So I'm going to ask you, is the Cowboys pass rush more dangerous this season? And can you see your boys getting after it again? You know, optimism certainly reigns supreme across the NFL this time of year. But I absolutely think the Cowboys pass rush is just as good as it's been in the Micah Parsons era. Micah's mm -hmm. obviously an incredibly good player in his own right, but he has a lot of talented pass rushers around him. Demarcus Lawrence, uh, I think, has finally started to get a little bit of respect. He's been kind of a, an underrated player within the division as far as pass rusher conversations are concerned. Sam Williams is a second-year pass rusher who the Cowboys have who really started to kind of come along and find his form over the second half of last season. The Cowboys also have talented players uh, you know, among the interior of the defensive line. Mozzie Smith, their first-round draft pick. Neville Gallimore, Osa Digizua, and the thing about Dan Quinn is 
is he uses all sorts of players. Leighton Vanderish has put his hand in the ground and rushed the passer so far up to this point in the preseason and training camp period. And yeah, I mean, it's it's a I think it's probably the deepest and strongest area of the Cowboys roster. And that's on a team that has a lot of areas that I really like. Yeah, 54 sacks last season, I believe. And like you say, if they're even more dangerous than last year, then Daniel Jones could be off his mark and he could be running for his life. Speaking of Daniel Jones, he got the bag over the, uh, he got the extension over the offseason. But Joe Shane did a great job, I believe, in adding some playmakers. And last season, Michael Parsons said that the Cowboys defense only game plan for Saquon. Giants have some playmakers in the mix in this passing game. So what are your thoughts on Dallas's secondary uh, versus the new look Giants pass game? Yeah, I don't think it's a secret that for a little while now, things have been um, not so difficult for the Cowboys when it comes to matchups against the Giants. But I think that that has really changed. This is no longer a two-game series that you can overlook if you're a Cowboys fan because the Giants are kind of starting to turn that corner. And, you know, look, Darren Waller is obviously kind of the name that's headlining things. Jalen Hyatt, I can't believe how far he fell in the draft. It feels like that's going to be something that annoys the Cowboys and Eagles and Commanders for the foreseeable future. It's tough. I mean, I, I trust the Cowboys' second you mentioned getting the bag. Trayvon Diggs got paid as well mm. over the course of the offseason just about a month ago. Malik Hooker got an extension with the Cowboys. The Cowboys have one of the better safety rooms in the NFL, and they obviously traded for Stephon Gilmore over the offseason. And so while I trust them, it's definitely a taller task to go to bat with these particular skill position players as opposed to what the Cowboys have dealt with in the past. Because to your point, Saquon Barkley didn't go anywhere. He's still going to be there as well on top of all the other players the Cowboys have to contend with. Yeah, now I always think that when you have such a dominant pass rush, it makes it a lot easier on the back end when it comes to secondary. And I think Stephon Gilmore was a great addition to add a veteran presence like that to go opposite uh, as CB2 as Trayvon Diggs. Uh, Another news or news that kind of broke during the offseason was Mike McCarthy. He's now running the show on offense. So from what you've seen, not only in training camp, OTAs, but in the preseason games as well, do you like the move so far and what kind of game you think that he's going to call against against Wink Martindale in this Giants defense? Yeah, I think Mike McCarthy uh, really was very patient with allowing Kellen Moore to serve as the play caller for the Cowboys for the last three years. And um, I think that, you know, we're going to see a lot of the same sort of things the Cowboys you know didn't change a lot of offensive personnel they did trade for Brandon Cooks obviously and and obviously are now without Zeke Elliott for the first time in eight years but um, I really think that Mike McCarthy is going to be a a bit of a revelation Um, he obviously comes from a West Coast offense West Coast principles are kind of all over this place I think the Cowboys and Dak Prescott are really going to be focused on getting the ball out quickly on easy completions on dumping the ball down tight ends running backs things like that areas that they haven't totally utilized in the past but that's why it was important to get a receiver like Brandon Cook. C.D. Lamb is amazing, and I think the whole NFL understands that by now. But the Cowboys didn't really have any wide receiver who could challenge opposite of him. And so it's all about easy, high-percentage throws for Dak Prescott, and I think that he's going to be successful at commanding that over the course of the season. Yeah, and a run game could uh, help Dak Prescott as well. I believe last year he threw like 9 or 11 interceptions when he had the lead. So Tony Pollard signed that franchise tag. You also got Deuce Vaughn. How do you think McCarthy is going to use these two guys against a Giants run defense that absolutely struggled last season? 
You know, there was a lot of conversation in the preseason about whether Deuce Vaughn could earn the RB2 role. Um, I think if you're paying attention, you know, if, if Tony Pollard had to miss a game for whatever reason, I don't know that Deuce Vaughn is carrying the ball 18, 19 times. Deuce Vaughn is his own weapon. He's his own thing. And I totally envisioned the Cowboys utilizing him and, and Pollard in the screen game, in the passing game, uh, getting them out in motion. And and for that matter, I would add Cavante Turpin, who most people kind of know is only a return man for the Cowboys. We've seen him evolved a lot more on offense offense to this point and so that's they're among the faster players on the Cowboys offense and that's what it's about getting them in space putting the ball in their hands making them or putting them in positions to make dynamic movements but obviously you do have to run the ball and Mike McCarthy had a comment at the combine that was about wanting to run the damn ball all over the place (laughs) this is not a team that's going to play army navy style football they want to air the ball out they know that their best players certainly can help them in the passing game yeah, a lot of speed, a lot of playmakers on that Cowboys offense this season. Looking for Dak to have a, a huge game, and it all is going to start Sunday. You know, hopefully the Giants defense can neutralize that, but we'll see, man. When it comes Giants-Cowboys, it's always a, a great game. RJ, thank you for joining us, my man. Thanks a lot. Good luck the rest of the season. All right, thanks, RJ. It was always good catching up with him. Uh, that was a great Know Your Enemy segment. And a lot of these guys were on the squad that faced the Cowboys in those two losses last season. So let's start this next segment, guys, off with which returning player do you feel as though needs to step up, play bigger, and be a sleeper in this Giants win? I'll start with you, Paul. Who do you think needs to uh, be the sleeper, step up, and be the hero? Well, does Evan Neal count as a sleeper? We mentioned yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's the obvious choice. I mean, he gave up three sacks last year in one of the games. His first, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's not a sleeper because he's a first-round pick, but um, he just needs to be better in this game, this season, um, his second year. You know, he just needs – he's a very important player. Tynes. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one, too. I, I think – uh, you know, Kayvon's a first-round pick. Evan Neal's a first-round pick. I'm going to go with a, probably a random one that no one's thinking about. It's Jason Pinnock. Oh, he took um, mine. <laughs> did I? Yeah. See, see, he's a sleeper, right? He was cut, yeah. released. We claim him off waivers. Who the hell is yeah. this kid? He's a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete, long-rangey, makes obviously a sensational playing camp that went viral, one-handed pick. I like what he's about. Let's see if he can do it, right? We lose Julian Love in, in free agency, who was a very smart, intelligent player that did everything right. You get a little more juice, though, with Pinnock, right? He can make plays. He can cover routes. He's got some speed. So I'm really looking for Jason Pinnock to uh, see what he can do. I think he has a big season, and if he does, so will the Giants. I'm going with Adoree Jackson. I think him starting at the slot corner is not a demotion. Obviously, I think this is something that's going to be great for his career, but it's also going to be great to have a vet like that being able to play in the slot against a C.D. Lamb, someone who has all types of uh, routes and, and route technique in his tool belt when it comes to being able to get out there and put things on tape. So I think Adoree Jackson, and not just his physical and what he's been able to do in terms of the success that he's had in this league, I think the the success that he's having mentoring these young guys, both of these young guys kind of spoke about what he's meant to their development and what he means to that entire secondary room. So Adore Jackson, fight on, fight on, not only this game, but for the entire season. Just we don't want to see you back there returning punts, right, Tynes? 
Oh man, don't get me started on that. <laughs> don't get the, don't get them started on that one. All right, let's get started on some of these. I guess not so much predictions, but we looked around at a bunch of the sports books and what that the lines, obviously the over unders, uh, what they have. They got Giants plus three. Do the Giants cover Tines? Yeah, I, I think this is a completely different team. I know there's there's mm. there's not a ton of new faces. But there is, and you know, they've moved some pieces around on defense. Uh, there's some more experienced players on offense, and then the explosive players they added. I absolutely think they absolutely cover that for sure. No question. The Giants are, you know, we'll get to it, but yes. Paul. Well, <laughs> history says no, right? History yeah. says no, 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 no. The Giants don't win these games. Um, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to pick the Giants to win. Um, they could win by two, and that means they don't cover, right? But that's kind of, you know, splitting it, splitting the hairs uh, a little bit. Um, I think it's, it's, it's the Giants are going to win the game. Yeah, I think the Giants will win the game by more than a field goal. Um, I wouldn't bet Brandon's money on it. I might bet Lawrence's money on it, but I, I definitely wouldn't bet my money on it. You know what I mean? But I just have a feeling. You know, I mean, I think the Cowboys may be coming down a peg. I think the Giants may be going up a half a peg. Man, Paul, I just paid for daycare. I, you don't want Brandon's mm. money. Brandon's got IOU money right now. And speaking of IOU, the O and the U, the over-under for this game is 46 and a half. Oh, but let me throw in mine. I think the Giants don't cover. They win by a field goal. Graham Gano. It's just going to be one of those type of games. I know it's a new expectations, some new playmakers on this team, but the Cowboys are still a good team. It's going to be a dogfight. The over-under on this game, 46 and a half. Paul, over-under. Mm. Under. Over, over. Um, I think there are weapons, you know, rookie rookie cornerbacks, um, Darren Waller, uh, you know, Cooks, CeeDee Lamb, um, Graham Gano kicking 55-yard field goals, you know, not a lot of empty possessions. Uh, I think over. I think it's um, fairly high-scoring, fun uh, Sunday night game. Tines. Yeah, I like the over, too. I think there's just so much speed and athleticism on the field on both sides. You know, let's not forget Deuce Vaughn, a yeah. K-State running back. I think he's going to be sort of an X factor for them. I think he's a really good running back that people are talking about. Um, but, again, there's a lot of skilled athletes on this field. Both offenses are pretty, you know, Mike McCarthy versus Mike Kafka. So, yeah, I'll take the over on that. Yeah, I'm sitting over with you guys. I, I, it's going to be a Sunday night uh I guess dogfight, as you can say. And I, I see both of these offenses scoring a lot of points. I mean, that's what the Giants brought a lot of those playmakers in for. Giants total points, 24 and a half. Last year, if we would have put, put it the bar at 24 mm. and a half, I definitely would have taken under. But I'm going to take over on this one. Times, what about you? Yeah, I think that's about right. Over 24 and a half is a really good number. I, uh, actually, I'm going to go under. I think it's just okay. right at that 24 number. Um, obviously, we got Graham Gano, who can hit some very long field goals, and the offense will be explosive. Yeah, I'll take I'll take uh, just under 24 and a half. Paul, I'll take over. I'll take over. You know, um, um, like I said, shouldn't be a lot of empty possessions uh, with a great field goal kicker. Um, you know, that kind of pushes the numbers up a little bit. And look, it, it was an incredible push this year to become a, a more explosive, better, higher scoring team. Um, and I think they can they can be that this year. I don't think they could be a top ten scoring team, but they got to get into the middle level there. And, you know, and and, and I think um, you know I think they can figure out a way to get twenty six, twenty seven points in this game. 
Paul, I got another one you're going to take the over on, or at least I'm assuming. Darren Waller receiving yards over under 45 and a half. Is that a first half? First half wager? <laughs> first quarter, well, at least. Well, look, look, I'm not, I'm not. I, I, I'm not slowing the roll on Darren Wilder, but, you know, he is not, you know, he, we saw him in seven on seven in training camp and he's wearing shorts and a T-shirt and he looked like, you know, LeBron James catching passes. I mean, it was yeah, like, yeah. OK, this is ridiculous. You know, we know what he did in 2019 and 20. We know what he did the last two years when he was, you know, hurt and disgruntled and whatever wasn't playing. Um, um, here's one just just as a quick aside. Um, I think the difference in touchdowns between Daniel Bellinger and Darren Waller is not going to be very significant. I think Bellinger could sneakily have like six touchdowns this year, um, you know, four-yard touchdown, six-yard touchdown, everyone going, you know, like they did in the preseason. Uh, two guys run together, Waller cuts in, Bellinger goes out, everyone goes in, Bellinger catches an easy touchdown pass. Um, I think Bellinger will be over 45 and a half. Tines. Yeah, that's easy. Um, I think he does that probably in the first quarter. I mean, they, we saw how they featured him in that Jets preseason game, or maybe it was the preseason game before. I can't remember who they played, but I think in the first quarter, I, I, I would say Bellinger has over 40. What is the number? 46, 45, whatever the hell. Um, yeah, give me the over. 45 and a half. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at the, the Cowboys safety, J. Ron Kirst ranked 36 out of 87 for safety coverage. And then Donovan Wilson was 45th of 87. You you can't What about this Hooker? Guy. Is Hooker still there? He's still there. He's still there. He signed a nice little extension. I, I just feel as if from what we've seen, again, he could have been t shirt and shorts. From what we've seen all throughout camp, this dude goes and gets the rock, runs crisp routes, and he looks like a receiver out there. I've, I've never seen something like that before in person. Last but not least, and probably could be one of the uh, most important uh, prop bets for this game, Saquon rushing yards, 66 and a half times. Yeah, I think Saquon, you know, Saquon has... has has done pretty well against this this front. Remember the big run he had last year at home um, to get the game close or put them up maybe before the half. I, I think Saquon is on a mission this year, guys. He, he wants the new extended long contract. He's healthy, healthy, healthy. It's the first game of the year. Um, yeah, I think Saquon goes well over 60 yards uh, and has a big, big game for the Giants. Paul. I'm not so sure about big, big game, but, you know, 66, if he, 66 and a half, you know, not necessarily a big, big game. You know, it also depends, you know, you're talking about 12 carries or 22 carries, you know, it, it's a different, you know, he breaks one for 25 yards and that number, you know, look, looks pretty safe. Um, I think over, you know, I, I, I'm not saying he's going to have a huge game. Um, I think they want to throw the ball, but um, um, yeah, I think he can certainly find his way to 67, 70 yards. Sure. Yeah, I'll go over as well. And then, you know, what he does in the passing game, I feel like that's going to help this Giants offense as well. All right, let's get into our final thoughts. Coach uh, Paul Schwartz, this is your pregame speech to the team. Keep it short. What do you tell these boys before they go out and they take that field Sunday? Um, I got to uh, use the, uh, the the quickies from uh, Miracle, right? You know, <laughs> their time has passed. This is your time. Um uh, it's not quite that much David and Goliath here, but um, look, the one thing that, that the Joe Shane, Brian Dable regime has not done, did not do in year one. They made the playoffs. They had a winning record. They stunned everybody. They did not beat the Eagles and they did not beat the Cowboys. And until you can dent the best teams in the division, 
you can't consider yourself an elite team. And and if you finish in third place in your division every year, it's going to be hard to make the playoffs. So I would tell the team it's time to set the tone right away that we are here to stay in the NFC East. And that starts with beating a team that beats us more than anybody else in these first games, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I would say tell the team, change the narrative. Change the narrative in the NFC East. Coach Tynes, we're about to run out that tunnel. I got the smell and mm-hmm. salt. What are you saying to the squad? Well, hopefully I can bring in Dion Primetime Sanders to give the yeah, squad a little go. pep talk. Um, we all saw what he did on Saturday. I would show one in ten in our last 11 openers against Dallas. Just put that on the biggest board you could before you walk out and let these guys know this is unacceptable. This is not productive. This is not competitive football. If we want to be taken seriously, we've talked about this at nauseum last year. This team is talented. They, you know, Joe Shane and them have added a ton of talent to the roster. It is time, guys. I think, like Paul said earlier, I think the Cowboys take a step back this year. I'm not so sold on that team. Uh, there's a little turmoil with the quarterback thing going on, and you know they're questioning Dak Prescott, Jerry Jones. The Giants are kind of the new kid on the block, if you will, with some new weapons, new toys, young. They're fairly young guys, and they can make a run here for the next four or five years. But you have to win at home in the division against Dallas. That's just automatic. You have to win this game. So let's go out and win the game. And uh, obviously I'm picking the Giants. Um, do I have to pick a score here? Did no, Paul I pick was, a score? Or we I just, we're gonna just saying they're going to win. I just think yeah, they're going to win. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because some of the the numbers on the uh, over-under stuff, I don't match up with what I would say on the score. Because I think, what was the total points, 46? 46 and a half. Yeah, so I'm thinking Giants like 24-20, something like that. So maybe I'm on the under on the points. But on that speech, you you hit us with the, we not coming no more. We here. We here. We're here. Here Yeah. And then, what did he say? Play my theme song. Bum, bum, bum. And then Mike Dable walks out. He's going to have Juicy playing as he goes out. Oh. The boys are going to get crunk. So, no, just have fun with it, man. Um, they got to go win this game. Make no mistake about it. Sunday night in front of a national audience. They have to get it done. Absolutely, man. Well, that's a wrap on our first episode. We're going big this year with Blue Rush Preview, so make sure you subscribe to the Blue Rush Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow the New York Post Sports and SNY YouTube channels for all videos of Blue Rush as well. New episodes of the show is going to drop Monday morning following Giants games and Thursdays previewing the week ahead. For Paul Schwartz and Lawrence Tynes, I'm Brandon London. We're going to catch you guys on another episode of Blue Rush. Play our theme song.